Hi! Welcome to the 74th episode of In The Between. This is Danny. And this is Nadia. And, and... <laughs> we're going to be talking about um, menswear and the uh, rising conversations around masculinity and menswear that we've been noticing in, in, um, in, the, fa- in the global fashion um, academia, I guess, or <laughs> like the mm-hmm. exhibitions. Yeah. And um, a couple of weeks ago, I attended this conference called Tailoring Suits, Shaping Bodies. Um, on the 1st of March, and it was um, kind of moderated by scholar Monica Titten, who I've been following for a while. She's really, really um, wonderful researcher. And it's uh, titled a symposium and round table. Um, she's based in Vienna, and so this was organized by the MOD class. And uh, one of the things that caught my eye was that um, as part of the roundtable discussions, uh, one of the designers that was going to be in it was Grace Wells Bonner, who I, I love. So I was really, really looking forward to seeing this uh, roundtable discussion. Um, so I logged in and obviously it's like on a different time zone. So it began at, at my night um, and I managed to catch the first three talks before I fell asleep and missed Grails Wales Bonner completely. But um, okay, so the, the, the symposium roundtable is, um, this is the write-up. It talks about how they're examining tailoring and how it's returning, but as a way to um, the, the suit no longer embodies ideas of tradition, masculinity, and respectability, but increasingly it's used as a tactic to disrupt concepts of sex, gender, power, and conformity. So I really enjoyed how uh, um, they did a mix of uh, fashion theorists and historians, as well as fashion practitioners. So the first person to speak was New York-based designer Peter Doe. And uh, it was really uh, amazing to, to have this conversation between a practitioner and then following him, um, two theorists talking about their research on menswear. Um, one of them was Jay McCauley Baustet. And um, I really loved his presentation where he was talking about like three of the big themes that were coming up, include um, that were uh, present in menswear and tailoring in general. Um, the idea of like the deconstructed suit, um, ideas of like a softer gender, uh, softer masculinity, and also the increased globalization. And so in, instead of the traditional menswear, we have new types of garments from different world cultures that men wear, um, because it's not for granted that men all over the world wear a suit, right? So that was um, some of the stuff that I took away from that talk and I uh, really enjoyed that little symposium. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I, I just always think that like, every time, um, Danny, when you send me like talks, and I'm like, what time is it? <laughs> because, you know, they're always at rather unfriendly times for us, right? Like super late at night, going into like wee hours of the morning or like really early in the morning. Yes. Um, because that is like evening time in, in America for that. Um, so I am also very interested in menswear. I think that oftentimes I'm, I'm thinking about how I can incorporate it into my wardrobe. And I do do that as well, like on days when I need to feel um, I don't know, a little stronger. And I know there will be people like, what? Of course, you can still be strong when you're feminine. But, you know, there's something to be said about, you know, these very structured kind of like menswear um, silhouettes and also like the harder materials um, mm. that are usually used for menswear that I really find very comforting. Um, 
and I conjure them up or like use them when we need be. And one of the things that's also on our radar, of course, is the new um, exhibition titled Fashioning Masculinities, The Art of Men's Web, which is at v &E Museum. And I know both of us are like trying our very best to travel to Europe later this year if we can for, you know, catching up on exhibitions, um, yes. maybe visiting Documenta 15 or the uh, Venice Biennale. So hopefully this can happen. This is till 6 November, so there's hope. Um, but it looks really exciting. I mean, just looking at the exhibition highlights is already like, gosh, I wish you could see all these things in person right away um, because there's, of course, um, Wales Bonner, um, clothing, there's Craig Green, you know, always pushing the envelope. Um, and I like what I see here in, in the sense that there is, of course, the formality and conventions of menswear, but then there's also all these experimentations, like you said, like the softer side of it, or like playing with um, fluidity in gender, um, in, in, you know, what is usually a gender binary, like how do we look at that? Um, and not just I think from the present, but in the past as well. So it's a, it looks really nice already on the website. Yeah. Like I, I hope we get to see it in person. Too. Um, and then I, this made me think about, you know, the books that I think we first read when we became interested in researching fashion, right? So for me, the two books, I think that really captured my imagination, made me think further about masculinities because I hadn't been that um, familiar with menswear up till then was, Paul Jobling's advertising menswear. So if there are any students listening to this and you want to know more about menswear or like the histories of it, then that's one book you can look at. Another one that I thought was really incredible to read and understand um, menswear in Asia was Japanese Fashion Cultures, Dress and Gender in Contemporary Japan by Masafumi Monden. So those were my two go-tos when I was preparing um, the culture and contextual studies lectures and tutorials that I would hold with, with my students. What about for you, Danny? Did you also read these two? Um, yeah, and I, I think I even saw Matsumi um, in Melbourne. I can't, I can't remember. But um, another thing was that when I was in London in 2015, there was a lot of talk by different curators uh, like Timothy Long about how menswear has been ignored for so long. So I've definitely been seeing in the past seven years an increased interest and discussion on menswear. And during my time in London, I also helped out in starting the uh, Westminster Menswear Archives. And I remember that Andrew Groves mentioned how um, menswear has really created and menswear garments and you like the military garments and, and you know hunting jackets and all these things have actually um, allowed for a lot of innovation in women's wear. So that was really interesting to think about how understanding menswear doesn't just help us understand how men get dressed, but also how uh, women's wear designers have adopted these ideas um, into their designs as well. Yeah, actually, one of the things that always comes up when we talk about menswear um, versus women's wear is that apparently there were always a lot of pockets in menswear, but then none in women's wear. <laughs> and that's also one of the things that was quite apparently quite um, difficult for women because then they have to carry something else to put their things in, whereas for men, they can just like walk and or saunter with all their things already. Uh, in their in their clothing, and one of the very first, I think. Um, 
I guess like you could say imports into women's wear that made it feel like women's wear was like moving forwards, actually the incorporation of pockets. And a lot of designers like to point out the fact that like, oh, look, and it has pockets, right? Yes. Like it's something that's innovative. Um, but I certainly also appreciate pockets. I like that, you know, you can put your hands in and kind of have something to do with your hands rather than having it sort of dangle or fiddle with stuff. <laughs> so I appreciate that. Um, and I was also thinking about how, you know, in our own dressing, I mean, aside from thinking academically about menswear or thinking about it in exhibition terms, symposiums and stuff, um, I've always also enjoyed looking at menswear for the fun of it. Like, you know, the Sartorialist was one of the very first street style blogs that I would log into every day and look at like, you know, all these beautiful menswear with all their layers. Um, yeah. Exactly, right? That, that's exactly it. Like the, the idea of playing with the layering, the colors and the textures, it is just a much more contained, whereas uh, women's wear tends to have like the, you know, the big silhouette, experimenting with big silhouettes or like a changing length. Uh, whereas the menswear, the, the way to play with it is like with accents of colors. And yeah, I loved looking at those images as well. Yeah, and then you look at all these little details, right? Like whether the lines kind of um, match across the lapels <laughs> or at the seams. Um, what do they have for pocket squares or like, you know, the, the subtle changes in length of like even the pants or the jacket um, or even at the cuffs. And then... I don't know what else is there like pin coupling <laughs> socks that's right socks um even how the i don't know like you know the, the the glasses and things like that so it's always really fun to look at all these little details i think i like that you know that it's not just like one and done kind of thing but your eyes could travel along like the outfit and pick out little fun details um about what it's seen do you find yourself having like masculine elements in your wardrobe danny I think that they are, um, it tends to be a lot on the fabric, like wools and suitings. Mm. Um, a lot of the designers I really enjoy um, use this more masculine material, but with really feminine details like bows and pleats and ruffles. Yeah, and I love yeah. pinstripe, um, pinstripe uh, materials as well. But mm -hmm. yeah, I definitely can, can see more of that now. Yeah, I think I really like, you know, just how menswear gives that unexpected sort of, I don't know, sturdiness. Um, I'm almost not catching myself thinking about all these masculine words for them, like menswear. Um, but at the same time, I also like how menswear is definitely becoming softer. I know that it's no longer innovation, but, you know, there was that point in time when like wearing pink was considered like, oh, you know, that's something new or like a floral shirt. But now it's become so commonplace that we don't really think about it. Um, and then the femininity that we see now in more experimental menswear really pushes the envelope in looking at like ruffles, as you said, right? And like maybe like even more color choices or even in having pickable elements sometimes. Yeah. Transparency um, and like um, cutouts, yes. Yeah. Um, because, you know, lots of things have become just, yeah, just like, okay, to be expected. Even things like man bags man buns i don't know why there's this need to like affix or have a prefix of the word man before it because it's a bit weird but yeah all these things that go into you know the grooming of a man even things like toiletries right um initially you know we would think about how men would use whatever the women in the house would use um but there are more and more uh products that's tailored towards 
men, you know, in terms of scents, in terms of like needs, um, like oily skin and things like that. So it's very interesting to think about menswear, not only in terms of like clothing, but also in terms of like modifications or like things that you put on your body as well. That is not um, off the cloth. So to speak. <laughs> yeah, so um, I guess this is our little episode about menswear and the different ways we can think about it, how we have um, encountered it in our time as fashion historians and also in our own personal dressing and our personal enjoyment of other men wearing um, you know what they do so thank you so much for listening or for watching and if you like um, what you watch here or listen to on the podcast please um, subscribe and if you'd like review that would be really awesome we'd love to hear from you thank you thank you bye